I've been coming here ever since I was a kid, and I really think that this hot sauce is in my bloodstream. I'm Lisa Morehouse, and this is California Foodways. I'm traveling to every county in the state, finding stories about food, agriculture, and the people that make both possible. Today's show is at the Meatla Cafe in San Bernardino, east of Los Angeles. It's a story about fighting segregation, finding identity, and tacos. In this commercial from the 1980s, Taco Bell declared its Americanized Mexican food original. But folks who gather at the Mitla Cafe tell a different story. So in the 1950s, Glenn Bell had a hot dog stand across the street from the Mitla Cafe. People would be lined up to buy the tacos at a little window by the kitchen. Ten cent tacos. We used to come get a dozen and we'd have so much fun. And they were really, really good hamburger tacos. Glenn Bell, he noticed that we did a lot of business with our tacos. And so he kind of would come into the Meat Like Cafe, look at their menu, see how they operated. My great-grandfather, Salvador, he brought him into the kitchen and kind of showed him how we did it. And I think he took the concept and ran with it from there <laughs> to what Taco Bell is today. But head over to Meatless today, and no one's talking about Taco Bell. It's a weekday at 11 in the morning, and the Meatla Cafe is packed. Co-owner Steve Okendo weaves through tables and booths, joking with customers about baseball and asking after family members. The first draw is the food. The menu looks almost exactly like it did when Okendo's great-grandmother, Lucia Rodriguez, was cooking here over 75 years ago. I've been coming here ever since I was a kid, and I really think that this hot sauce is in my bloodstream. Drew Negretti says once, his parents picked him up at the airport after a two-month stint overseas, and all he could say was, I just need to go to Mila's. I think I ate it for like five days straight, to be honest with you. You just miss it. You miss it. And you miss the people you get with the food. Today, Negretti came in with his parents and ran into half a dozen family members. Community college faculty meet up here. So does the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Qantas Club. And the Meatla Cafe is a necessary stop for political incumbents and hopefuls. Steve Okendo. I like to joke with the people running for office that if they don't have their meetings here, they're not going to get elected. Politicians and activists have come here since the 1930s. Did you see the picture of my grandma and Cesar Chavez up front? He used to eat here. When the labor leader organized nearby grape pickers, the Meatla Cafe has always been a place where ideas and action develop. Here's historian Mark Oseguela, a San Bernardino native. The city restricted Mexicans to living on the west side. So there was school segregation. There was segregation in public theaters. In the workplace, in the Santa Fe Railroad, there was the Mexican restrooms and there was the white restrooms. And there was segregation at the city's only public pool at a park called Paris Hill. And Mexicans were only allowed to use it one day out of the week, the day before the pool was meant to be drained and cleaned. 
During the same time period, in the 30s and 40s, Meet La Cafe proprietor Salvador Rodriguez rallied the neighborhood's strong business leaders, former city councilwoman Esther Estrada. They had formed the Mexican Chamber of Commerce. They would go and meet at Meatless to discuss the politics of, of the community. They threw fiestas for important Mexican holidays. They wore elaborate costumes and rode horseback at charro parades. And the Mitla Cafe sponsored a whole neighborhood baseball team. It was very common for Mexican-American baseball teams to just find a vacant lot within the barrio to clear the land and create a baseball diamond because they couldn't do this in other parts of the city and it would draw literally thousands of people. Mark Osegueda says these were political acts. The Mitla Cafe was building civic and racial pride. Esther Estrada. We come from the 60s and 70s generation. We were raised at a time where it's absolutely proper to hit the streets and, and advocate. In the 30s and the 40s, maybe in those days it had to be more subtle, but they got things done also. Business, civic, and church leaders who met at the Mitla Cafe to organize formed the Mexican-American Defense Committee and sued the city for access to that public pool. And in 1944, the decision went in favor of the Mexican-American Defense Committee, and it desegregated public pools, parks, and recreational facilities for Mexican-Americans in the city of San Bernardino. This served as precedent for the case that would desegregate schools in California, And that, in turn, served as precedent for the landmark U.S. Supreme Court decision, Brown v. Board of Education, in 1954. The late 40s and 50s were vibrant days for the Mitla Cafe and the neighborhood. Mitla waitress Lucy Reyes. You want to know when I first started working here? Yes, I do. 1951, I think. Route 66 ran down Mount Vernon Avenue, and many locals worked in solid manufacturing jobs. It was real lively. A lot of little businesses. We had a big grocery store at the corner, and two tortillerias. Or we had the theater, Azteca, for all Mexican movies. Pedro Infante and Luis Aguilar and What happened next is a familiar story. Across the country, urban development nearly amputated once vibrant African-American and immigrant neighborhoods. In San Bernardino, when the new freeway opened in 1959, there were no exit ramps into Mexican-American neighborhoods. Again, former city councilwoman Esther Estrada. It was our own Berlin Wall because it had shut us off from the, the downtown. It had brought the demise of our businesses on the west side. Last year, westbound off-ramps were added to the freeway, but those old scars remain. Walk along Mount Vernon Avenue now and you'll pass empty lots and vacant storefronts. You see the blight. You see the bars on the window. I don't see that when I come here because I'm from here. My hood, my barrio, no. It's it's a beautiful place. So, does Meatla co-owner Steve Okendo ever think about Taco Bell? Get resentful that his family never saw dividends from those hamburger tacos? Not at all. I wouldn't change where we're at for the world. I really wouldn't. If we had ever gotten that big, I don't think I would have that sense of responsibility and pride that I have now. Our customers come here for gut feeling, that, that soul feeling that 
that home feeling that it's a meeting place and 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 you can't take that away maybe that attitude is key to meatless survival four generations of owners kept the original menu and stayed right here That's it for this episode of California Foodways. This story was reported and produced by me, Lisa Morehouse. It originally aired on KQED's California Report magazine and NPR's Latino USA. Our theme music is by Takanobu, and Ariel Plotnick produces the podcast. We receive support from FERN, the Food and Environment Reporting Network, and from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can learn more at calhum.org. Subscribe to California Foodways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow CA Foodways on social media and visit our website, californiafoodways.com. 